Warning. This episode you're about to hear is the Beastman Army special. It was recorded in several parts and in more than one version. The Beastman segment itself is merely a tribute to the one first recorded. Sadly, it's not a good special, like the High Elf special. But, you can't have an episode about something fun every time now can you? Also, we know about Chris's track. Mix settings were messed up and not noticed until after. Warning. This episode you're about to hear is the Beastman Army special. This is your listening point of no return. The forests are dark and full of shadows. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of The Old World Lives, a warmer fantasy podcast. I'm Christopher and you're in for a beastly episode. And uh, speaking of that, this episode is fueled by Kong Strong, the finest energy drink Little has to offer. And with me tonight, I have hello Luther everyone and Jimmy. Hi. And I suspect neither of these are fueled by Kong Strong, and that's the problem. Yeah, that's why we don't have this uh, manly flu voice. Chris has gone. It's probably with Kong Strong. Probably, probably. So. Let's hope this is actually recording because we have had problems lately with recordings that are basically censoring some of us, mainly Krell, and it's not us for this this time, and that's odd, actually. It's outside powers are censoring him. So let's have an update with Nicholas. What have you been doing? Um, hobby-wise, not that much fantasy. Uh, I've started reading the second Gothic Philosophy Omnibus. Uh, started reading it a few weeks ago, and then I start picking it up again now. So I've really been enjoying that one. I'm on the first one of Second Omnibus, so Dragon Slayer. Uh, everyone keeps telling me it's a really good book, so yeah, really enjoying it so far. Nice. There's haven't been really a great way to get hold of hobby supplies for you either, right? Uh, no, I haven't really been in that much of need of supplies, just motivation. <laughs> yeah. So I should have been painting halflings for this month's challenge, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I haven't done it yet. I've heard that uh, the April challenge was kind of fake news because it didn't really... <laughs> yeah, no one uh, I know has heard about it. So, Jimmy, how did your... April challenge go. I never said I would do an April challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, it's it's the recording. Honestly. <laughs> I uh, I was supposed to paint a lot of dudes last month, but I was uh, I was brought down by a bad auction when I was <laughs> almost winning another box of Medenheimer Siege Defenders and an Empire Battalion, all on spruce. Was uh, one hell of a lot, and yeah, did go was... for probably not worth, but uh, oh yeah, would have sure been But yeah, I was sniped in the last second, so I was very, very, <laughs> very out of energy after that one. So yeah, I was, uh, I was looking at it live. It's crazy. It skyrocketed at like the very last. Yeah, episode. yeah. But we have to congratulate Krell for his new army, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bastard. Yeah. Yeah, but you have been doing other stuff. I know that. Yeah. And probably people know that because you've posted yeah. it. But I've been I've been uh, remodeling the hammers on my Knights of the White Wolf. I don't like that they're carrying around logs. 
to smash people with because I want their hammers to be about the same size as the two token guard that I'm also going to field. So I removed those hammers, used some uh, brass rod and replaced them. So uh, they have slightly shorter hammers and I also sculpted the grips on them. Uh, I have 15 ready now. I have uh, a second command group, which I haven't posted any pictures of yet. And I'm also waiting for some answers from uh, Jens if he has a couple of extra knights to let me take care of, so to say. Yeah, because you could just uh, make a whole mounted unit of Grandmasters. Because everyone seems to have a Grandmaster layer. No, no, no. Everyone seems to have all Ulrich. <laughs> ah. So, for this summer, after the Battle Standard Challenge, because I'm going to present that now. It's the Battle Standard Challenge that is the next one, but we're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, the next challenge after that will be the R. Ulrich paint. Yes. <laughs> because everyone has yeah. one, apparently. Some, didn't you I think he had. Uh, he got one of me before. And and then I acquired more. Yeah, and I think he even had a painted yeah. one for his <laughs> army as well. So. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it sounds good. It's nice to see the pr progress on army and those knights look so good. Yeah, and they're so well sized with the horses, the older model models, because the plastic knights they have such long legs, so the horses feels more like ponies. Yeah, yeah. Also, I the know. legs are just awkward. Yeah, they, yeah. they stick out weirdly. Yeah, and they have no. I, I, I don't. I don't remember the English name for Stieg Bügel. Stirrups. Stirrups. Yes, thank you. Because plastic ones don't have any stirrups, uh, the all the metal ones do, and this does a we lot know, for a model. Yeah, and we all know that uh, heavy cavalry without stirrups is a great idea. Yeah, when you can't really brace <laughs> for uh, lance thrust and anything. It works for orcs riding boars, but they have a strong grip. I mean, that's why they're yeah. using hammers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they look great though. Thanks. Incredible models, like the entire Midnight range is just amazing. Yeah. And I'm Indeed. looking forward to feel them all. It's going to be like two 10-man units eventually. Might add some extra models so I can feel them in 12 strong. Or split nice. them up. Uh, so will you be using one of them as regular and one as inner circle or something? Yes. Or one as regular and... No. One as inner circle and two regulars. Because, you know, Middenheim army list can field several units. Oh, yeah. So well, you would have like... Uh, small finance squads or something like that or yeah uh, yeah. i i plan on uh, i'm i'm going to play test them sometime soon i think uh, so i so i get to learn how the army works but i uh, i aim to use at least 8 of them as uh, inner circle and fielding two smaller units with like only musicians to like uh, sh flank charge enemy units and such yeah that is a good idea i've been uh, yeah. having have you played this in my for a while? I I started using those kind of units, these smaller medium side, medium cavalry yeah. to just cover the the flanks of bigger units. Because like sometimes you don't need an entire ten man heavy cavalry. With yeah, exactly, and and no need for standards everywhere either. Because when they flee, that's gonna cost me a hundred victory points. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good idea. But I also, uh, I was looking at the Empire Army List because I will also use the Empire Army List. And uh, I'm very keen to use uh, the, uh, what are you called, the Pistoliers. I have uh, a bunch of those that I'm going to build next and try to nice. mid and in some way or another. And 
since we all know that uh, fast cav you mostly flee as a charge reaction and uh, as they only have leadership seven and uh, it's kind of hard to keep the general close and they cannot have any musicians i need all the help that i can get and there's a fine little magic item in the empire army book it's a power level five bound spell which rallies all fleeing friendly units on the battlefield. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's like the eagle's call or whatever, the bear stands. I don't know, there's one in the yeah. nature uh, lore that does the same thing. Yeah. Nice. I gotta say, though, the, the Midnight Magicalist is fine. Like, it's yeah, so yeah, good. It's, it's so many good items. so hard. I mean, that... Uh... The, the, I, I forgot the name. There's a nice little cavalry hammer, which when you strike a wound on the enemy, he cannot strike back that turn. <laughs> nice. And there's also that, that banner, the crazy banner that like reduces yeah. the strength of all incoming attacks. Yeah, of all incoming missile fire and magical attacks. That's so, so good. So yeah, it is. Because not only like does it make them uh, wound harder, but also, I mean, you get more armor save, which is great for a unit that yeah. doesn't, they don't have shields today. Nope, they don't. So that's great. Yeah, it's gonna be nice. Then we're gonna have to uh, cook up some storm chaos campaign or scenario, or whatever. Oh, to play yeah. some time. Big event, if anything. And when yeah. it happens, I will most likely field all my knights in one big unit led by <laughs> Rain Volker himself, the Grandmaster Something... of the Night Wolf. Something tells me we know someone that's working on demons enough for that. To happen yeah. as well, to have something to face off against. And I have, uh, I mean, Chaos Knights should be easy to paint, right? And I have uh, almost 20 now, and Archaeon, so we will all, we will be able to field a nice unit of the Swords of Chaos, if anything. Nice. Just need to find someone with a lot of Chaos Warriors and Marauders. And f force someone to make uh, Flare Kittens. Yes. <laughs> because they're so awesome. I think Carl, my friend, is uh, fielding them in his Hell Pit Abomination list. Oh. Yeah, cool. because he can have player again. Nice. Yeah, but we'll see what update you have on your progress uh, project in the next episode. Yeah. I guess. We just need to find something to record next time. Yes. Let's see what that is. Maybe we just uh, do like we did for the... The bo recent bonus and just bring on an Australian. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, uh, I'm not uh, really stalling or trying to change the subject because I've been painting loads. Many, many models have been painted. Many, many university essay things were done, and <laughs> episode episode editing was done. So well, that, it's been not that. That is an, a valid excuse. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't really been able to adapt that much because when you have to do certain assignments that you should do, like in a group assignment where you should just sit and discuss and then talk about it at the end of the lesson and then write something up for it. And instead, they have just changed all of those to, to basically uh, basically assignments that we did when we started uni, which was basically hey, read these three things and then write something about it. <laughs> And make sure you quote the literature for it. I just okay, and um, this is shit, but okay. <laughs> just, 
we know that you that you are about as have about as much as idea to what we're going to do right now as everyone else. But these assignments are <laughs> they just filler. They just it's the filler assignment. But uh, we do have another Christopher in the podcast, and he's yes. painted stuff. And he's weird, painted weird, angry weird unit fillers. <laughs> I'm yes. going to mention and that. Angry I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention it. Christopher yeah. just recently built uh, and painted a unit of Kemri uh, bow, Skeleton Bowman. In the middle, there's a unit filler. It's kind of cool, except it's on a 50 millimeter monster base, so it doesn't <laughs> fit in the unit. Uh, yeah, been, they uh, can't got, rank up. This has been a good group chat the, lately. The, it's got the yeah. really nice uh, from the Age of Sigmar. Uh, what is the uh, the obje- objective notice. thingy? Yeah, one of the one of the objective sets. I got the same thing as a base for my Rat Ogre. It's the it's the large stone head, which is a really nice piece of kit, but it doesn't really work yeah. in that setting because it makes it needs a too big a base and. Uh, it pushes some of the. And we're not making fun of him. Okay, we are. <laughs> we're not. We're not making fun of him. We're just trying to make it adapted so it actually works. And yeah. why is running archers four ranks deep? Uh, it's a skeleton skeleton thing. I bet he's playing like eighth edition, and every rank can shoot or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. What's the or he's playing. Yeah. Or he's playing the dreaded scab hammer game. Well, can you shoot in four ranks? Yeah. I'm sure they can. Probably. I don't know. They probably can. You, probably, you probably don't even need facings anymore. You can just uh, yeah, exactly. It's just... Fire from anywhere of the base and just yeah. count as front front <laughs> facing. Because there's been discussions I've heard lately that uh, games are better without facings. Even strategy games are better without facings. Yeah, makes sense. And I'm not really sure. Yeah, because everything it looks really really. Uh, re- real and imaginative and you really feel it's drawing you in when your unit can charge sideways <laughs> when they're on horseback or a large block of infantry just walk sideways and it comes like a front charge he yeah, also but, painted uh, yeah uh he christopher painted he painted some rats uh what are they called they called uh giant rats, giant rats? with a uh, handler a minimal minimum unit size of uh, six giant rats and a handler and then he also painted a unit of clan rats the thing is he's cheating because clan rats <laughs> are 20 plus in size <laughs> when i took the picture <laughs> He added the giant rat from his previous unit in the back row. Yeah, but you know that <laughs> each base of giant rats counts as two. Yeah, I, I mean, because it's, I don't, two, I, it's two rats on each base. I so. don't mind mixing out, like, uh, adding a filler of giant rats in a, in a unit. I mean, I do it myself. Uh, because it does look cool, but he he was just playing lazy here, and I I I, I love it. I <laughs> and he's so honest about it. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, we're only really glad that he's painting again. Yeah, which is which is why we're friendly, joshing him, and yeah. not just yes. Uh, we we're, we're only, only, only I really like this game. Independent. I'm glad he got off the ground on that product because he was uh, yeah back and forth whether he should start it, and uh, now he has, and he's doing some great progress. Sending us pictures yeah. all the time of the stuff that he's going to paint as well. Yes, and he's uh, having a lot of fun with the uh, contrast paints. Yeah. Yep. Uh, again, great meaning, for that, Skaven. meaning that Chris will never play him. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really great for Skaven, those paints. Yeah. And uh, when this is recorded, there's two days left on 
Scale 75's version of uh, contrast paints Kickstarter. So it, it, it won't ma won't really matter to anyone right now because this won't be released before it's ended. But I'm just mentioning it. They're doing it as oh. well. Same nice as well, but uh, it's pretty much the same thing. So yeah. And you'd say as well, another thing that's been taking a lot of my time is that damn owl that uh, Chris linked to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should link that uh, on uh, the Facebook page later. It's uh, it, it, It's got uh, what is it, like three kids now? Uh, two. Oh, that's it. They're really, really cute, those uh, baby owls. Yeah, it's an, it's an owl that lives in, in my hometown, actually, uh, in a mine, uh, and it's just hatched two baby owls, and it just sits in a box all day, and they have a webcam. Yeah. Updates, updates every 10 seconds. Yeah. And, uh, dude. It's dude. even on during the nights, and you can see a sleeping owl. It just, <laughs> seriously, it's really relaxing to watch a sleeping owl. You, you just <laughs> miss just, out on every, a great now and then joke. Why didn't you do the the Gimli thing? A mine, a mine. <laughs> because it's not that yeah. kind of mine. <laughs> True. So, should we talk a bit more about uh, April's challenge? Because there were sure. some nice uh, posts. We got uh, one that's uh, well. He's been diligent in posting, which is good because he was the one that suggested this challenge <laughs> to us from the beginning. And it's Ted's, Ted, and he's posted some really nice, classic-looking uh, goblin spearmen. Yeah, yeah, they're looking great with their yeah. goblin green skin. Really yeah. classic. And, goblin green, uh, and then the green uh, rim on the movement tray, yeah. and green flocking, really black cloaks. So yeah. they, they look, this that, is a classic look. It, it's a bit updated because they're not goblin green bases, but... Uh, I think it works yeah. better this way. It's not too green. I mean, I, I I do like Goblin Green bases on old Hammer models. These are like too new to do that thing on. Yeah. Also, if you do it on, if you have that tone, skin tone, basically the same as the base, it looks a bit modeled. You have to should probably adjust the skin tone if you're gonna do Goblin yeah. Green bases on goblins. They're looking really cool. There's uh, a striking red that you used on the moons and the banner top. Uh, so they're looking neat. I uh, I actually kind of missed these goblins. Uh, but I won't yeah, use any myself. <laughs> He's also doing a uh, wolf chariot for this mm -hmm. month, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, you don't see those uh, night goblins so much. You usually see the, the skull pass ones. Yeah. These guys are... They're a bit chunkier, like their heads are yeah. bigger and they look more three-dimensional since they're built apart. Yeah, but if, if there's anything you can't, can, can't accuse those Kalpas box, it's versatility and uh, 3D look, because nothing looks 3D in that except for the maybe the troll. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and definitely not the Slayer character that's in that box. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think the best it's model so in that bad. box is the, the pony cart. Grudge pony! <laughs> yeah, but I got two two of those. I'm, one day I'm going to do either a baggage train or a mine scenery piece or something. And I can use them for that. Yeah. It would be good for like War of the Beard if you have like an ambush with uh, 
a small patrol of uh, dwarves escorting ponies with carts and then have elves massacring them <laughs> with a dragon. Yeah, 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 I've got a. Equal I, got, I actually have two of those as well. Uh, I've uh, like separated one from the carriage. I might like link the carriages, maybe have another card in there, drag some artillery or something, and have both of the ponies drag them. That'd be cool. I think there's. We could probably look for to the general's compendium for some ideas because there's scenarios similar to what we've been talking oh, yeah. about and ideas. So that's good. Always good with ideas. There's someone else that did some uh, Tomb King skeleton wars with bows, and that's Andrew, and they are yeah. quite nice as well. They look they, they don't look as angry as Krells. <laughs> they look more professional. Yeah, regimented. These guys, <laughs> these guys trained with their bows while they were alive because they knew they wanted to be bow skeletons and not combat skeletons when they died. Yeah, it's a, a bad day when you get uh, when you know that you trained with a spear and shield for all of your life, <laughs> and then you die, and someone just, oh, sorry, uh, all of the shield, uh, all of the shield and spears are gone. You have to pick up this uh, slightly bent stick and uh, shoot arrows with it. And that's why Krells looks so pissed off because yep. they are. Oh yeah, those those are the, uh, the what are they called? Warlords of Erewhon models. The warlords of nowhere. This? Yeah, the the name that I can never remember, but this time I magically remembered it's, it. It's Erewhon. It's uh, nowhere backward backwards. Ah, ah, now I got that. Uh, isn't that one of the old uh, GW game designers behind that? Probably. I think so, but I'm not sure. But uh, there are some nice models coming out from a lot of lines these yeah. days. And uh, should we do some more special mentions? I know that uh, Rene has been posting some dwarves. He haven't he hasn't painted them, but he's posting them <laughs> all over the, all the place. Uh, we need to talk. Yeah, but we painted. need to talk about Deathhead's halberdiers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Excellent work by Kister. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the guys that I rent the gaming basement with, so I'm gonna face these guys eventually with my own uh, Empire Force. I'm looking I can forward see to that it. they're they're photographed in that basement, right? Yeah, because it looks it looks <laughs> like the mess mess of that basement in the background on the photo. Yep, that's that mess is my place of the table. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there's also an empty empty box of Pepsi Max Lime. <laughs> on my chair. Yeah, but there are worse Pepsi's for sure. Yeah, but I really liked it. It's nice that they took uh, inspiration from uh, the uniforms yeah. Herald book. And do you know if he's gonna do that with any other mm, units? Or not that I'm one? aware of, but uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll goad him into something, or at least make him uh, build a bigger unit. Because I see he made some uh, some command group models here, so they will not be a detachment. So I guess he'll build more eventually, hopefully. Yeah, they're great. They add so much character to uh, an army as well. Yeah. That's why I wanted to know if he was going to do any more, because there are some really great uh, units and uh, uniforms on heraldry with a lot of character. I would love to see uh, like a Reich River Patrol. Yeah, oh, looks so cool. Yeah, maybe I'll do one as a Mordheim warband if anything. <laughs> you, should, you should do that uh, raiding. Is it like the raiding goblin from Yenos Compendium? That's from the River Patrol scenario. Oh yeah! Just dressed up like a woman, trying to <laughs> steal stuff while <laughs> pretending to be a fe- yeah. human lady. 
looking good. Don't mind me. Don't mind my green skin and about three and a, three and a half foot tall and <laughs> obviously a goblin in a dress. So there's, there was also from a guy named Chuck. He posted some really nice thunderers because they're old metal ones. Ah. Oh. Glorious sculpts. It's the like the biggest yeah. regret of my non-gunpowder army. Well, they're mostly the metal ones. There are some uh, sculpts ones as well, but the front rank they're is the old patch. metal ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the standard bearer. But uh, having that mix, nice. actually, yeah, and it's it's uh, it works having those uh, uh, static uh, in uh, yeah the stack the static um, thunders in the back. Because they've, because the other ones look have so much character in the front rank and just uh, ooze that old charm yeah. of the old metal models. Any one of you have any um, special mention that you want to bring I'm up? Mention a guy from uh, who who joined this uh, challenge on Instagram, uh, Andy Dot Mavnav. He painted up seventy yeah. dark warriors in a week. Damn, that's insane. Yeah. And they look so cool. That's a mini unit in eighth edition, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Minimum forty guys. Yeah, but the, the, those ethered uh, plastics for dark elves are gorgeous, actually. Yeah, they finally made elves with uh, regular sized hands, and apparently yeah, it, it worked great. They they did them regularly sized before sixth edition, actually. I, I've been looking at uh, old hammer. High elves from fourth edition is like these guys looks kind of great. Why did they stop making them? Oh, they made a plastic kit and they're bad because the the metal models they're they're gorgeous. I think love. even the like starter high elves look yeah. better than sixth edition high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and they're just monopose elves, but they look so great because they're really military. Yeah. To be fair, it's only really the plastic kit elves from sixth edition that have those. Giant hands. Yeah. Because if you look at you need the them. metals for high that were released, they were, yeah, they were, they were yeah. normal sized. Just, uh, just the metal one, the, the plastic ones, which is what went wrong. What went wrong later on is in 8th edition when they met, when they released a new Coril model, because that model is horrible. <laughs> you mean baby hand braids, Coril? Yeah, and I'm not, I'm obviously quoting what you said the other day when yeah. you said he was having yep. hand yep. his <laughs> his braids looks like little children's arms hanging from his head. Yeah, and that face is something only a mother can love. Yeah, it's not a regal elf face. It looks like an, an old empire man. Yeah, <laughs> or not to get political here, but one yeah. of those people standing behind Trump when he has his daily rallies because <laughs> they look kind of the same semi-melting semi faces so let's see if we actually alienated any listeners by stating that <laughs> if we have i don't mind so nicholas do you have any special no, I was, mentions i was just very drawn to christer's entry those that had really drew me i love those guys uh, and yeah, I'm just glad that a lot of people are entering this, and a lot yeah. of people did a lot better than uh, me and Jimmy, and you. Yep, exactly. And all of us, basically. <laughs> but uh, even though, just to mention, even though we don't uh, bring up every single entry here, we are looking at them, we're really loving that people yeah. are sending in. 
because Ramon sent in 25 slayers, so you can have uh, two full units of 20. And then he made a command unit as well, so I just want to mention that. It's not like we don't look at them. We, well, there's yeah. been a lot going around this uh, past weeks that we've been busy with, but we really liked seeing this, and we really appreciate you sending them in. And hopefully it will continue, because we're still running challenges this month, as pe- people probably know, because this is recorded after the first. Uh, we're doing a terrain challenge, and what with terrain, we basically mean anything that can be used as terrain. Or even a small castle. Make a massive castle or a <laughs> forest that can cover a table. Yeah, well, that's mandatory. You have to make one small castle this month. It doesn't matter the, si- the exact size. If it's like a two centimeter by two centimeter square castle, that's still a castle. Uh, joking aside, it's uh, there's a reason why we put the small... Yeah. If you don't want to make terrain or don't have anything to make, just paint another unit, basically. Because we don't we know that everyone don't really have the will or drive or energy or maybe the materials to make yeah. a piece of terrain. <laughs> and if you're it's like Jimmy, this far? you just, have, just throw money <laughs> at the terrain and hope it appears. Yeah, you got some really good uh, pieces of terrain. Yeah, but that's... Uh, I'm making a fountain for my high elves. It's going to be in the similar size to my uh, Shrine of Cain that I did for my Dark Elves. And that one is up on uh, Instagram that I know. So you'll have probably seen it. But it's going to be a similar size. But it's going to be a Kalidor high elf team. So there will be dragons. Nice. Ooh. And now that I mentioned it, I can put it in a cupboard and never look at it again because. That's how how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure what I'll make yet. Uh, probably something dwarven. I got some bits lying around. It. I got like a hard time finding materials, so I'm gonna have to build something from stuff that I have lying around at home. Yeah, don't have to be anything massive. Just mentioned it for everyone. If you want to build train, don't build anything massive if you don't want to. Or you can build something that's themed for your army. You can build scattered terrain, or you can watch like a terrain tutor tutorial on YouTube on how to make a tree out of wires that you rip from the, your neighbor's <laughs> wall or something. I'm sure. <laughs> Probably don't do the last part of that, but watch terrain tutor tutorials because they're great. And uh, that's where, where I l- learned how to make wire trees, basically. Yeah. So we're going to introduce, as I mentioned in the earlier here, a, another challenge. This is Jimmy's pet challenge, actually. Oh, yes. But if you don't have the information you wrote down in front of you, I can read I it. don't have it in front of me. No. So, do you want to mention what the challenge is? Because people probably Yeah, mo- most likely. Uh, it's uh, what I think is necessary for all armies. Uh, At least 7th edition. Yeah, and 7th edition. But I think it's necessary for other reasons, and that's the battle standard bearer. So, Chris, go on and read it. Yeah, the Battle Surrender Bearer Challenge is any self-respecting general has his personal standard displaying the livery of his army carried by a veteran of war. Many of these standards and banners have seen countless battlefields, and often they have been enchanted by wizards and sorcerers to aid in battle. The challenge will run for two months, so remember to manage your product time accordingly. Requirements. 
build and paint a battle standard bearer from your army book and edition of choice. This includes weapon, selection, mounts and any other options that can be chosen by this character. The model needs to be fully based and painted to be accepted. Conversions are heavily encouraged but not mandatory. Uh, bonus challenge, represent an actual magic standard from your chosen army book by painting or convert it so it is as close to the given background text as possible. Question, my army don't have the option for bats on a bearer, what do I do? Answer, paint a standard bearer of the outmost elite of the elite available to army. Photoshop of project that start and finish project are required. So that's the challenge. And yeah. did we say it should begin on the 15th and run for two months? Yeah, I think we said that. Then it's settled. It's going to yeah. start on the 15th of May and end on the 15th of July. And this is so it, it doesn't really conflict with the end, start and end dates on uh, our monthly challenges. And yeah, just wish people good luck. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, mm, that is a good excuse to finally get that limited edition Dwarf Standard Bear. Oh. And if you complete this and we deem it to be the best Battle Standard Bear, you will win Jimmy. <laughs> Yay, I'll I finally have about, a home. Yeah, I haven't talked with you about this, but I've decided that uh, we should just uh, raffle you out. Fine Seems by fair me. To me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... Ah, but we did. We this is basically run in the spirit of the Lord and Hero conversion challenge. So, if if people are actually participating and finishing, there might be a prize included in the if you are deemed the best. But should we do it to maybe a community vote this time? Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. So that's what uh, you need to do. Full details will be going up as a flyer, something whatever you will call it, on Facebook and Instagram as well, closer or right on the 15th. And this episode will be released before that. So you will have heard that this, all of it is. Great. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, probably all there is for uh, the intro. I actually want to do a shout out for a new podcast. Oh, right. The fifth yeah. edition podcast. Yes. Uh, there's a new podcast that just got released uh, this week. Or, no, last week. Last week. Uh, it's a Crown of Command podcast. They're available on Spotify. And uh, I think they had some other site as well. Yeah, they're uh, they're available on most of the podcasting apps because they're yeah. ever checked. They're available on the podcasting apps. And they will be linked in... Uh, the show notes on this yes. episode as well. They also to make it yeah. easier to They find also them. have a YouTube site and uh, there's interviews there, some painting tutorials, some man of war stuff. So they're going to cover like everything from the Warhammer in the 90s. So it's going to be Warhammer second edition Warhammer 40k second edition, uh fourth and fifth edition, mostly fifth edition Hero Hammer. Uh, some uh, epic. I think they're gonna have some Man of War. So uh, and most likely the old Necromunda and maybe more time because it was was released in the nineties. At the end, we'll see about that. Nice. Yes, that's what's why there was a twenty year celebration last year. Yeah, so. exactly. And speaking of YouTube, we actually have a YouTube channel. <sighs> if anyone. New. There's pretty much nothing on it. Uh, all of the episodes will go up on YouTube just because that's a good way to have other people that for some reason haven't noticed that where you can listen to us. 
I'm not sure. But we're also gonna try to upload uh, other stuff, like if anyone ever managed to video when we're playing <laughs> or when we're <laughs> hobbying or whatever, yeah. it will go up on the YouTube sometime eventually. So if anyone has any suggestion on co- on content that we could put up on the YouTube, just send it in to us because we would like to also produce content that you would actually There'll just be videos of Jimmy hobby shaming crap. It's going to be me playing a lot of lot of more yeah. time. That's going to be it. Yeah, but that could be a good thing. Maybe we could do yeah. more time videos or maybe we could do yeah. stuff that we try to explain in uh, episodes talking. We could just do a 15 second video and just show this is it. We can have, uh, but, uh, we can have, have reaction have... videos. Yeah. Looking at Krell, how he reacts to things. <laughs> like LSD. <laughs> yes. We're gonna... Yeah, but, well, the chat of what we're going to do with Krell is probably yeah. taken off air, yeah. so there's no records of it. <laughs> so, Nicholas, would you like to lead us into the main segment of this episode? Yeah, so in this segment, me and Krell are having a chat about uh, Beastman as a follow-up to our other Chaos Talk of uh, Warriors and the Demons chat you guys had. So this will be the, the third, but probably not the final installment of Demons, or Chaos, I mean. Chaos is such a nice and diverse topic, so I bet we'll find something else to talk about with Chaos. But yeah, Beastman, here we go. Brother, spoke the four as one. Together we shall rule. Surrender to the darkness within your heart you know holds true. In his hand the sword of Cain did promise power untold, as God of light and God of murder battled for his soul. One by one the demons fell. An elf lord he stood tall. For should he fail upon his task then mortal world would fall. Upon the isle beneath the fight, wise mages cast their spells. And daemon minions howled in anguish, cursed to eternal hell. And on this day we bow our heads to he who world did save, Enarian the proud defender, Enarian the ever brave. And welcome back to the much belated Beastman episode. You've got me, Krell, and of course, my esteemable, knowledgeable, Kislev Horsemaster named... Niklas! Hello, everyone, and welcome to this uh, take two of the Beastman Thingling. <laughs> thingling, yes. Uh, the official name of Hearthstone, the Thingling. Uh, it's long overdue, uh, but this is the time that we had to record it. And in the meantime, we did the High Elf episode. And also in the meantime, as I said, in that episode, two uh, owl babies have grown up. Uh, I will post a picture of that because mm. they're beasts, right? Ah, I guess. I mean, they're basically half a Praden. Just feed them some random beast blood and like defile a shrine to Ishan. You're good to go, man. Basically a beast. Are Are there any... No, just going straight off topic, the first thing I do, but are there any, like, flying beastmen? Just, like, beastmen that have wings? Well, I mean, harpies are beasts of chaos. If you look to the Monsters Arcanum, which is an 8th edition, and thus anathema to our very existence, uh, you do have the Praetum. Uh, the Praetum is... Uh, use, it's in my army, you know, like the strange winged elk thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah basically, just thinking because Games Workshop just focus so hard on the the goats that yeah. But like in all the books, the beastmen are just all kinds of creatures, mutated things. So like I bet like some uh, humans would just evolve into some kind of owl monstrosity and just fly around, flap around in the forest and attack random merchants. <laughs> 
yeah, like the worst version or incarnation of Mothman ever. Yeah. Don't go into this forest. It's the home to the Taurus Owl Beast. Owl oh, man. Hoot, hoot, hoot. All right. So before I begin, I want to uh, share an analysis that I made of our podcast. Uh, if we were the Scooby-Doo team, then you and me would be Scooby and Shaggy. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you this was great trepidation. Who the fuck would be Shaggy out of us? I am Shaggy and you are Scooby <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Robert Nicholas. Uh, and Chris would be Wilma, uh, smart person, actually does all the work. And uh, Jimmy... And for some reason, like, the tremendous fetish bait of all the nerds who ever grew up in the 80s. <laughs> everybody wants yes. to hook up with Daphne, but everybody wants to settle for Wilma. They're like, well, she looks like a cozy person, doesn't have a lot of standards. That's not Chris, right. that's, just, that's just Velma. Also Velma, right? Not Vilma. Yeah. Well, uh, Jens is Daphne for sure. The hot <laughs> babe that we bring on sometimes. So Jimmy's Fred. Yes. Well, Jimmy's like, our leader. He's the Fred of Instagram. Oh yeah, okay, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Fucking Chad, Jimmy. Yeah. Chad Mordheim Fred. <laughs> you should have that as Instagram. Chad Mordheim Fred. <laughs> All right, that was my uh, Scooby Doo analysis. So yeah, let's yeah, so get on with our uh, Beastman thing. We're doing it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like doing it more loosely now because uh, we already done it. We're posting. <laughs> we already did this. <laughs> I just want to tell everybody who's listening to this that the initial Beastman episode was one of those few times that me and Nicholas actually hung up after one and a half hour and went, you know what? I feel really good about that. Let's close here because we closed literally each and every point of my notes. And you're like, yeah, no, it feels good. Yeah. This will not be that episode. This is just a tribute. Yes. It's more like free form, like improvising. <laughs> All right, but seriously, beastmen, what are they? The beastmen, the darkest taint of chaos that lures within each and every one of us. So, I mean, I guess we'll just start on the origins of the beastmen. And the fascinating thing is, beastmen is one of those races uh, whose fluff has just naturally progressed from the earlier to later editions. Wow, this feels familiar, Nicholas. Uh, the very first analysis or of the origin of the Beastmen says that basically that when the Polar Gateway collapsed, there was a plague of chaos that spread from the northern ends, spreading in, in undulating waves, striking each living man until beast became man and man became beast. Uh, in some forms, they literally merged into two giant flesh puddles and became one. The second version of Beastmen, which is more insidious, and I'll come to the analysis in a couple of minutes because everybody loves to hear me ramble, is that the taint of chaos lies hidden within men and beasts for sometimes years without reckoning. Meaning that anyone can sort of spontaneously mutate. It could start harmless, as we all know. An extra toe, double fingernail, anything. And then suddenly, like, you get horns and you want to run through forests and destroy all the civilization. Now, the contradicting ideas herein, of course, come from both the medieval perception of the innate taint and immaculate conception and the origin of sin. I, in the second version of the Beastman origin, like it could lure beneath the surface, you have very strong, not only Jungian, uh, but also uh, Catholic vibes. Basically that within each man lures the beast and you don't know when, why or how. So if you go into like Vam Warhammer fantasy role-playing game, second edition and first edition, I believe, but I'm more acquainted with second edition. Uh, there's a very detailed part, which I told in the last time we recorded this about a man going into a forest and he feels shame and sort of anger but he knows that what he's doing must be done and he's just carrying this beautiful bundle of a baby boy into the forest and then it turns out as he's dropping it off into some bushes as the canopy of the forest closes around him and he runs away that the perfectly shaped baby boy has two small nubs in his forehead or it might just be something innocuous like an extra toe and out of the bushworks literally comes a gore and picks up the child and brings it back and of course in this second version basically the taint of chaos roars within each man 
and the potential of it is well innate it could strike at any time in any way maybe your neighbor has like a mouth beneath his shirt like in uh, the books i read what's the name you know this like uh, vampire kung fu lady in warhammer by kim neville mm, i've not read it yeah Anyway, uh, and they, they have like a playwright who's successfully hidden his deformity for years, but it turns out he has a second mouth on his stomach. And sometimes it's really obvious stuff like that, but it could be smaller, like easier stuff. Maybe you have double eyelashes or being left-handed. The immediate yeah. misunderstanding. Uh, yeah, it sorry. just seems like, uh, I just want to touch on the, this stuff with like uh, people leaving their slightly mutated children in the forest. That's a very like empire thing to do, and there's a lot of mutation going yeah. on in the empire, and they just that's just a norm that they would just leave them outside. Not a lot of people would just kill their babies because it's still their babies, uh, but in in Kislev, they do kill their babies. Yeah, well, uh, at the Stupa Kislev because I don't know they're so close to chaos that they're just so used to being invaded by them that they don't take chances. Yeah, well, I don't know what it's like in the... ignorance of Kislev, right? I mean, in Empire, it could be like, oh, we haven't had a chaos invasion of the parts for a long time. But Kislev knows what's up. Like, it happens to them on a regular basis that chaos just fucking romps on through and fucks shit up. Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, what it's like in the other human civilizations, like Bretonia. Maybe because they're further away from the chaos waste, they don't have as many mutations. Well, uh, it's strange because, you know, Athaloran has a huge beastman problem. Not only, like, in the Warhammer Total War games, but also, like, in reality. It's usually where they accumulate and they gather up a really big ward and expand yeah. into the rest of the vamp vampires. So it's, you're right, that's pretty interesting. I assume, seeing how, like, Bretonia progressed from 5th to 6th edition, from, like, you know... <laughs> a noble bright king arthur setting to a more like dystopian dung age setting i think that any slightest taint of chaos you just kill your kid or like the local lord uh, swims on through and just you know ah that baby bears the taint of chaos decapitation maybe uh, like the, the nobles are protected by the the lady somehow and the chaos mutations just kind of uh, go on through the the peasant ranks but like they they are just malformed so no one can really see the difference and yep. uh, maybe it's just too far south for it to really make a difference. And they don't really have, they don't leave them out in the forest to become part of the, the herds and actually cause a problem. They just yeah. carry on with their lives, I guess, as peasant slaves. What I mean, it's something like, if we go into the historical context of that part, something that we tend to call historically the dreadful asymmetry, which is true for animal kings as well, that if you live in the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, like, the early industrial, you're not going to have enough food to feed an entire family. So either you have your free kids and all of you starve potentially to death, or you leave one of your children like a working house or an orphanage or out in a the forest. They still have a vague chance to survive, so you're not actually killing them, which is very hard for the human psyche, since, you know, kids are cute for us to want to protect them. But it is one thing less for your family, your immediate family, the children you've grown to know to think about, right? So, uh, sorry to say, that's one of the things that has a vague, horrible historical context. Yeah, <laughs> depressing. I don't, I don't know what to, to respond to that. Welcome yes. to sixth edition, motherfuckers. <laughs> it is grim. It is dark. It is Warhammer. It's grim. But also, like with the taint of chaos, what we have to remember is that magic is exceedingly rare and is a double-sided coins. The winds of magic are fickle, and Reynald is not a kind master. You shouldn't really rely on luck when it comes to magic. There's a reason to why there are schools of magic in Empire. I mean, the high elves left very structured paths to take. And there's a good damn cause for that. I mean, the taint of chaos is real. Now, could I we... It took maybe... them long enough. Yeah. 
Could we maybe speculate that, like, in the bigger city, the rise of chaos babies is linked to the abhorrent rumors of ratmen? I don't know, you know? I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy <laughs> saying what I heard down by the pub. My buddy Big Jim saw a ratman running the street, you know? And uh, the government picked him up. I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, uh, keep safe, people. Keep safe. No, but uh, joking aside, I think that the immediate spread of like Warpstone and the Skaven taint is most probably connected directly to the fact that there are more Chaos Babies. And the Warherd is concentrated chaos. It's the first children of chaos, even from way back, like in the initial chaos books. It's very clear that these are from chaos made and they propagate chaos as well. They're mere beings in front to nature. And this also ties into their hatred of civilization such as it is. Yeah, uh, that is also an interesting point because I know you have talked a lot about this, like it's changed throughout the editions, like their hatred of civilization and also how civilized these guys actually are. Yeah, that's, I find it like confoundingly interesting and I can't really put my finger on why it. If you go wa- way back, like to the Hordes of Chaos book from 2002, which I'm holding my hands right now, and then you move over to like the Beasts of Chaos from 2003, and then you go all the way over to the dreaded 7th edition, which is just called, you know, Beastmen. They, fascinating enough, they actually regress in technological ability. In the 2002 books, they're not covered as well, but in the 2003 book, 2000, in the 2003 book, it's very clear that, like, the lower stratification of Beastmen society, they can fletch arrows. They can basically reconstitute armor from their fallen enemies. They do light smithing, not in the sense that you and I have, but, you know, basic bronze working, iron working. They can't smell. They probably the do it better than you and I. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 buddy. Innately, you and I are better than any sort of beast. Well, you know, I am. You voluntarily moved to England. So, you know, <laughs> one of us. These hands are made to create... No, but the thing is that uh, Ungors, like the lowest part of Beastman society, is capable of forging or reconstituting. And that's how they get their technology. Now, if you go to the 7th edition, they hate society to such a tremendous extent that the mere thought of fletching an arrow or like mending armor is anathema to them, as it represents a... That's odd, as you and I discussed, because they do have Ungors skirmishers. They do yeah. have arrow cavalry. They have centigors. Are you telling me that these people are just riding around p- picking up their old arrows? Like, I get the fact that they can't forge or enchant or imbue with magical power. So they're not going to, like, create ungral armor or even warp-tainted armor. They take the choice bits and they leave it at a beast stone. And then the wargors and, like, the beast lords and the gormen, they choose the best parts. But Yeah, it's very interesting how their intelligence changes just depending on what book. It's just different in all of the different books. Like yeah. uh, also the the novels, uh, like one book that I uh, read, uh, some guys came across some beastmen, and then they were, they were just totally degenerate madmen or beasts. <laughs> they just attacked them as soon as they could. And then in one of the Gotrog and Felix books, books, uh, they were walking through like a forest, and then uh, some beastmen were stalking them, and then like they confronted the beastmen, and the beastmen were like started talking to them and like do you think we're stupid do you think we're gonna (laughs) attack you with that crazy slayer dwarf that you have with you he's just gonna kill us all and this is also some guy that had like a dog's head yeah and he was like come on seagull man let's get out of here (laughs) come on bat dude and seagull man we don't need to be treated like this 
insulting our intelligence. No, I mean, it's very true. And we could put it down to just create a difference between the offers because it's like we discussed before with the Skaven. The Skaven are conniving, backstabbing assholes, but are they all dumb except for Fankwal? I mean, the society would suggest otherwise. You can't just continue to fuck people over without having some fault on who to fuck tomorrow. It's the same with the Beastmen. And I think the aggravating part of me is it doesn't even have with intelligence because the shamans are innately magical, but the beast lords, like the, the chieftains and captains, they have accrued a sort of crass intelligence. The ability to, as you say, plan ambushes, arrange, like they don't just throw themselves into teeths of the enemy. If they see a fortified bastion, they're not just going to look, hey, look, we're going to fuck it up and run like straight for the arrow slits and the cannon holes. They know how they know how to arrange a siege. It's just their immediate dislike for forging arms tends to be aggravated. And I get in a sense why they did it. They want to enhance the immediate differentiation between the beasts and the warriors. And the warriors are, you know, noble warriors of chaos descending down from the wastes to reeve and rage and other R words, which are horrific. And we don't talk about it anymore because of, you know, me too. But then you have the beasts, and the beasts are supposed to be the raw, animalistic drive of chaos, where the chaos warriors are mailed fist of cunning, honor, and warmanship and warmongering. The beasts are supposed to be an uncouth herd of warriors descending. If you compare them to the Celts, the base fact is that they are immediately based on the disdain of civilization that most of the Romans considered the barbarian tribes possess. And that is, of course, where you find the niche origin of the beastmen. At least, you know, as far as inspiration as I can see. They have uh, the, the herdstones, of course. They have the body tattoos. Sometimes in old editions with blue vode, which again, which has to do with the Celts. Not the Gaelic Celts, just the Celts. And immediate warmanship and seeming like strike and fade tactics that they imply are very similar to initial accounts of the attack on Britons that Caesar did. So I get why they did it, but like you say, it tends to very much vary from book to book. In some books, they're capable of arranging ambushes, planning, even having a sort of crude logistical plan. And in other books, they are very clearly just there to be mowed down by the heroes. Yeah, they, they, We talked about this in... Uh... <laughs> the previous time yeah, we tried nice. to record, uh, but uh, like they are supposed to be like the the ever present threat of the uh, what's it called mm-hmm. the people Still that like lived there before the indigenous like indigenous oh, yeah, population yeah yeah while like the orcs are supposed to be the the foreign barbarians yeah. these are the 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 barbarians that already lived there before you moved in. Yeah, I'm going to say that if chaos is the enemy ever present at the gates of civilization, then beastmen are very much the canker at the heart of it. It rots from within, and it's not unheard of, actually, for beastmen herds to appear in the middle of the empire and strike outwards, as opposed to orcs who always come from the outskirts and edges. Yeah, yeah and it's uh, interesting uh, uh, in the Empire book that the, like their cities are described as like beacons of civilizations in the night, because... They are just surrounded by by these massive forests that could and probably have massive uh, beastmen herds in it, and then these kind of spring up from time to time. They have to go out in the forest and try and clear them, and then that's why they have so many road wardens as well, just keeping the road safe between these cities. But like everywhere else, there's just shit that you don't want to mess with. <laughs> no, I mean, by the nine so- divine, stay on the roads. 
Yeah, I mean, sort of the, uh, the eternal conundrum of civilization, right? A city can only house so many people, unless you're like Paris in the 1800s and are allowed to sell outside of walls. You can only have so many people in a city before a group then goes to the countryside to make a living or live. And sooner or later, since the empire has enchanted a huge forest that encroaches on all sides of it, you are going to try and live on the outskirts. You know, there's lumber, uh, there's poaching. There is the ability to actually make a new life in the untapped wilderness. And the, the rulers of the empire do encourage this. Uh, many of the lords who carry their rune fangs to battle do want their citizens to settle new areas and, you know, basically create new tenants and taxpayers. The problem is, like you said, there are people in these wars who do not necessarily share those views, and thus they come to differences. Uh, for today's simplification, I think maybe we should have mentioned it before, we're only going to talk about the 2003 Beasts of Chaos book. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the one that goes together with the... Uh, what's that one called? Warriors of Chaos? Hordes of Chaos. Yeah, Hordes of Chaos is the sort of joint book. Uh, yeah. In Hordes of Chaos, like you know, you guys and Jimmy and you have talked about is that if you have a Beastman Lord, uh, Beastman units are court choices. Ditto if you have a Chaos Lord, a Chaos Warrior Lord, then Chaos Just Warriors. Your, your general, yeah. so you exactly. can have a hero as well. Yeah, very, very easy and great concept to be applied. Yeah. So today we talk about it. And when it comes to civilization, and you made a good point I should have picked up on earlier, the very existence of civilization isn't just anathema. It's the proverbial red cloth that provokes and unifies all of beastmen. They hate the unification of human tribes and civilization with a burning passion. In one of the earlier books, it's even explicitly defined that they can't explain exactly what it is, but it drives them to war and anger. So you could also make the parallel that the beastmen are the natural defense system of the old world to make sure that humanity doesn't, you know, sort of grow too large. In the same sense that the dark elves are nothing more than a hygienic force keeping the high elf population in check. <laughs> yeah, they're also just like the, the purest servants of chaos. Yeah. Like they, all they want is what chaos wants. They don't really care about uh, power, really. I mean, they care about power as much as any animal would, uh, but they don't have any grand ambitions like a warrior of chaos that has been corrupted by chaos. Like, no. he wasn't like a follower of chaos at first, but then he was promised something, and he's doing it for his own greed, while most beastmen of chaos just do it because they, well, they don't know why, they just want to. They serve chaos for the Dark Fate's furtherance, rather than power for power's sake. Yeah. So basically, uh, another thing to remember is that a beastman is usually seen as a perfect embodiment of chaos itself. So they don't seek out further gifts of chaos. And they're actually, actually barred from it in the earlier editions. A beastman is perfect in and of himself, basically, as far as chaos is concerned. He doesn't need gifts from chaos because he has already been bequeathed what is his lot. Yeah. So yeah, suck it, everyone else. <laughs> All, all servants of chaos are equal. It's just that some are a bit more equal than others. So uh, do you want to touch a bit on the models? Uh, we mentioned this, though, that um, like in the books, beastmen are described as being any kind of animal just fused with a human, like yeah. seagull man and dog face. <laughs> but uh, Games Workshop went for goats, goat men. Yeah. Classic pagan Satanistic images, you know, from the Shatan and the application of uh, Middle Eastern bullheaded man. The yeah. fact that man himself is the greatest beast. So, I mean, it's classic mythology. You have like Pan ideas and stuff like that. I know a lot of us have like expressed uh, sadness and disdain because in the earlier editions, I remember when I was a kid, they talked about making like beastmen out of different animals and tiger warriors of Ind is such a alluring prospect I can't even tell you about it. Mm. 
You can even yeah, have like good. Alex Chazak from Hindu mythology, a badass tig- tiger demon man. I don't know why it descended in Swedish, tiger. <sighs> a sort of tiger king, if you wish. God damn it, Carol Baskets. And uh, the thing is, uh, they're all goat men. Or like they have goat-like attributes in the case of the Angors. Yeah, I think uh, another point of that is just the uh, ease of manufacturing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they could have just done like different heads, I guess. But, yeah, I uh, suppose. Just to keep it as a unified force, I guess. But you still have the hooves. Better. Like the initial cast, or, I don't know if you remember, but the entire head, the body and the legs were just one solid piece. Yeah. And then you could swap out the arms and heads. In 7th edition, that was still the case, but... The horns were a separate part that you put on the head, so you could adapt them. Yeah. Which, as far as I'm concerned, would made it way easier to convert, which I appreciate. Because I don't know if you've seen my word, the guy who like gave an eye patch and a double set of horns. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you probably showed me a long time ago, and I don't remember it. <laughs> you like you probably showed me. I probably lied. It looked good, and I, I don't know how this is coming out. <laughs> I'm like a child. You guys are like yes, yes, very good, Chris. I- I'm just sitting here thinking like how they could make a multi-part uh, beastman with like. One set of legs that's just like uh, hooves, one that's just regular feet, one is like webbed feet, and just like combining all kinds of different stuff. And it would just look like a, a really shitty uh, Empire Militia kit. That would be really cool. And then you wouldn't even have to have separate kits for the Gors and the Ungors, because you could just make them like one. Yeah, that, that kit would be worth so much right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the Gore kit, I mean, like the Empire Free Militia. They go for like ridiculous amounts of money now. What is it, like 40 quid a box? Yeah, so imagine one... if you had uh, one bit in there, this is just like webbed feet. Shit, yeah. I would buy that. <laughs> buy the fuck out of that. But then again, I mean, the fortunes of plenty of other miniature game manufacturers' armies would not be made because, as we know, your companies just went in and said, hmm, GW never made a fancy model for that and then built their entire business franchise on. Yeah. So, uh, Niklas, do you have any favorite Beastman unit? Um, I think the the chariots are very iconic, and yeah. just speaks to the, the 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 Celtic or like British and what are they even called the blue, blue painted people? Are they just called Celts? Yeah, are they Celts. Br- Britons. It depends. Uh, wh- the Bretonians wh- classically are the people who were English before the Dane law applied. The Celts are, are the population uh, further up north. Were the the Picts? Are, are they their own thing? Are they also Celtic? Or Pictish they warriors Celtic? are sort of Celtic. And if I'm wrong, feel free to write in and correct me. But being a Pict, you wouldn't know how to pick up a computer anyway. So, you know, come at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I really like the chariots. Like they, And that's also a thing that they have to build. Hmm, who builds the chariots? <laughs> yeah, see? It doesn't hold up. <laughs> uh, maybe there is like sleds in later editions. They don't know how to put on wheels. They don't know what a wheel is. They hate we, wheels. We need we need new chariots. I go to chariot tree, pick the ripest fruit, put in water. We have chariot. No, I don't fucking know, man. It's a legitimate fucking mystery. Yeah, but they're cool. I like the chariot. Uh, okay. And the the character in the chariot was all, all, always one of the, the coolest Beastman models, I think. Whenever I look through a catalog, circa 2000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, do you mean the guy holding up a decapitated head? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm going to need Jimmy's feedback on this, but I wonder if, like, you remember in Mordheim, they had a specialized Beastman gang? Yes. One of them looks very familiar to this guy, because one of the Beastman guys in Mordheim was the guy holding up a decapitated head, but if decapitated. But I think he held the axe at a different angle. 
Maybe they just repurpose the, the sculpt. One of the great things, one of the great things with the chariots is that the items pulling them are actually wish, visually distinct from like the orc chariots, but they only swap the heads because the chariots, the razor gores, which are mutated sort of, I guess, mount pulling their chariots, has like horns coming out of his forehead, nostril, even in front of the head. So you can clearly see a distinction between the taint of chaos and like just your generic orc borman. Yeah, and I appreciate that. The humble so share. The what, foundation. What's your model your model favorite design. model then? Actually, and maybe this is a controversial hot take. I'm gonna take one of the units that was actually removed in later editions. I'm gonna say the noble humble chaos trolls. The trolls? Yeah, the chaos trolls. It's one yeah. of the units that was actually removed and later on given to chaos. Just the fact that one of them has like a mutated face coming out of his rotting stomach, whilst then having like cancerous growths coming out of his armpit and shoulders. Another one just has like vi just has vines coming out of everywhere, and third guy just has a head mutated with axes. Did they release any chaos ogres? The beast of chaos. That's a great question. There are chaos ogres models, but I think there was an upgrade kit because one of them was basically an additional head, and you got like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Now I remember them. Yeah, there, there were models. One of them yeah. was like a cyclops, right? Yes, cyclops, and then a guy had like a super huge head. They were more heavily armored than a classical ogre character. Yeah. Uh, and that's one yeah. thing you have to remember that when he switched from Beast of Chaos to Beastman, they robbed it of a lot of its characters. Gone were the Halcyon days when you could take like marks and upgrade your Minotaur to a level three magician or caster. You can no longer have like the Thunder, the Dragon Ogres, which it's always upset me because the Dragon Ogres are a subset and they're like one of the most ancient species of the old world. They wouldn't really be Chaos Warriors. They would be Beast. And yeah. also, of course, like the Chaos Trolls. The Shaga. Yeah, the Shagoth. <sighs> Trolls and ogres. Uh, what else? And more egregiously, marks of chaos for your beastmen. Yeah. In later editions, you couldn't take marks of chaos for your beastmen, which is, to me is just insanity. Uh, After insanity. Yeah, it didn't, really, it didn't matter that much in 6th edition as well, where the different units were, because you could just combine all of them anyway. If they were rare choice or special choice, it didn't matter if you use them with your warriors to cast. But like the fact that they removed all of them and also you couldn't combine the chaos books anymore no. made it all harsher for the Beastmen. Yeah, the thing was with the Beastmen was it was never... In later editions, I've tried playing them. I know you don't like them, that's fair. But it's hard to play the Beastmen in later editions because they were robbed of a lot of their heavy hitters. You still have Minotaurs, but anyway, if you want to hear about the Beastmen in 7th to 8th edition, we recommend our sister cast, the Elixir Counts. Good, even if you can't do math. I'm talking about you, Renny. You can't do math. Come at me. They did a great Beastmen, uh, well, several episodes. Yeah, so and so. Very in-depth about yes. what is good in a list and what is bad. Yeah, I mean, they had Renny, eh, but they also had Tim and DTA. Go DTA. <laughs> and him. no just kidding uh, check it out it was very in depth both on the lore as well as the units and how to play the game because it's one of the more finicky and technically difficult armies yeah they, they, they didn't get an 8th edition book did they no only 7th edition yeah. and the thing is I think they might even have removed Spawns of Chaos because in 6th edition you can remember Spawns of Chaos they have separate ones you can have like the Beast of Chaos the Fiends of Slanesh and the Fire Room Siege, which is hilariously uh, a spawn of chaos with a flamer attack. Yeah, I have seen that used. It is, uh, it's great. You sound traumatized. Oh, it's, it's just so good because, like, it, the, it's got a random movement. And uh, if you charge something, that's great. If you don't charge something, you can flame it. <laughs> but yeah, did he model them as like specialized beast, beast spawns? Uh, I think they're, they're just like blue spawns. Boo. <laughs> 
He has to have like a flame shaped like nozzle. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know. He should show up with like, oh, these are my black painted space marines. They're obviously Iron Hands or Raven Guard. No, no, Nicholas. He needs to like handcraft, or in my case, pay Jimmy. <sighs> Sorry about that. So, that being said, we're gonna go through the basic structure of a Warherd. Uh, just quickly in passing. A warherd is the default calling of like a group of beastmen. Just like, do you know what a group of crows is called? A murder. It is a murder of crows. Good indeed. Your education is in the way of English has progressed far. Your knowledge has now surpassed mine. I bestow upon the title of wordsmith extraordinaire. Go. Go and shoot. Do you know what a group of killer whales is called? Uh, I'm going to say a shav. A shav of whales. You disappoint me once again. Called a pod. A pod? Yes. It's like us. Hmm. Well, they do cast water into the air. So I suppose me not knowing that would make me a cascade of a failure. <laughs> Nothing? Well, when you have when you have your first kid, you're going to love these dad jokes, Nicholas. You don't even want to, and you hate yourself for doing it, but you love it. Carry on. <laughs> do I have to keep calm? No. <laughs> Good. I also have great difficulty with that. So we're going to go through the base structure. Uh, a ward, basically, is a group of beastmen. They're called together uh, by a spe especially charismatic founder of the gang. You're always going to have, like, even at basic levels, a gore that is aspiring to greatness. And he will be, uh, uh, well, I suppose on those levels, he would just be a beast lord. A beast lord is a man of charisma and ability who basically keeps the entire gang together through nothing more than sheer force of will. The beastman lord draws lesser beings to him, and they serve him. Uh, there's sort of like alpha pack mentality whereupon a beast lord will know who's the strongest and will fire it out. And whenever two gangs meet up, a beastman, even if it's out in the forest, they'll always fight for supremacy and then join the stronger leader's army. Sometimes they just interlock horns and just yeah. die in the forest. Definitely. And I mean, if a beast lord is usurped in his position by another beast lord, that now will not only take over, but some of the existing beastmen might leave and start their rival hordes. And thus it comes the innate danger of a beast lord. You never really know when they give up because they don't usually do that. Just below the beast lord, you will have the war gore. The war gore are his grizzled elite, his hardened veterans. They get the finest pick of the spoil from the beast stone or the herd stone, sorry. And they choose what they have, which quintessentially in this edition actually translates to have a choice. In later editions, they have like heavy armor, I think, two hands or hand weapons. In this one, the war gores can be equipped quite greatly. Any wargore may take either great weapons, hand weapons, shield, light, or heavy armor. And a wargore is, yeah, it's either a character. Wait, am I mistaken? It would seem that I am. A wargore is just a lower sort of hero. Well, egg on my face, Nicholas. Hmm. Well, what else would it be? Well, because uh, in later editions, a wargore is actually an elite choice. So you can either have like a war as a hero or a group of veterans. Right. Isn't that just the uh, the best of course? Yeah, it should be, but it's so strange. I'm trying to find it. This is very embarrassing. This didn't happen the first time we did it. <laughs> this never happens to me, I swear. Yeah, no, sorry. The best score heard. Uh, the war is just beneath a beast lord. Uh, in stature, like a lower hero, but his loyal, loyal servants and lieutenants will be the best gores. Uh, the best gores can have marks of chaos and just carry a magic standard up to 50 points. Basically, up jumped classic uh, badass veterans. Strength 4, toughness 4. In this edition, what you need to remember is that all intents and purpose, the gore and the ungore. And basically, if you don't know the difference, if they have a pot belly and puny horns, they are an ungore. 
they are the lowest. They are the omegas in the pack. They do the crafting, sedition, as well as whatever duties they have. They eat last at the feasts, and they pick out the plum, plunder and the spoils when all others have tired. They're actually even beneath the warhounds in appreciation. Uh, because yeah, the and warhounds... also, I've read in some uh, explanations of the, the beastmen that... Uh... These guys are often com- comprised of the the children that have been left out in the forest that yeah. get mutated into beastmen and are not born beastmen. Or, amusingly enough, in this edition, uh, people who escape the confines of society to join chaos, sometimes just by the mere presence of beastmen, mutate and regress into uh, ungors. Yeah. So these are the most human-like and thusly the most despised. Uh, they the Empire, th- this is why the, the kids in Empire are taught to eat with the cutlery properly. Because if they <laughs> don't, they'll turn into an angor. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. That's literally one of the things that they tell them. If you don't do X and Y. Very grim, grim brother story there. Yeah, uh, but in this, in this edition, true in this universe. <laughs> actually, yeah. Red Ride, little Red Riding Hood actually happened. Someone uh, in this edition, the Angors are basically just uh, skirmishers. And the default function of any group of warriors that you have in the Beast Herd, which will be your Angors and Gors, have to be deployed in a very specific manner. You have a bunch of rules, and I'm not going to because it takes a lot of time, and I'm really an audiovisual artist. But when it comes to it, you have to have all your Gors in the front and send Gors or Angors uh, at the back. So you have to line them up. Yeah, when they enter combat. So first, they all use run around in skirmish formation. So they can be all over the place, mixed around. Yeah. But then when you charge into something, then you have to rank them up uh, like a normal unit with yeah. the gores in front and the gores in the back. Yep, so you have the command and the gores in the front. It's actually shown a very hand display on page 19. And the ungors wind up in the back. Yep. Uh, and in later editions, they separated these units and Gors are no longer skirmishers and the Ungors are just archers. Yeah, well actually in later editions you can have Ungors either as skirmishers with the bows or you can have them as like raiders, uh, which means that they just have a spear and shields. Yeah. So the thing is to actually field a legal beastman unit in 6th edition. And this is sort of one of the reasons to why I can't right now because I don't own any Ungors. You have to have at least 5 Gors and 5 Ungors. There's no actual definition that if you add, say, one gore, you have to add one ungor. You just have to have a minimum of five ungors. Yeah. And ungors can't have command of any type. The gores can. Uh, they're the meat and potato. But your average gore will cost you, in um, general, uh, almost twice as much as an ungor. If you look at stat lines, it's fairly self-explanatory in and of itself. They, they're weaker. They can take less of a beating. And, well, they're just kind of shitty. They're there to be arrow fodder, basically. But still, as we all experience, a flank charge or a rear charge or just a march blocking is not to be sneezed at. If you have a bunch of ungors coming into your end zone and you think they're going to be like easily shifted, you might be wrong. Yeah, so it's really great uh, because you can have these guys with Wars of Chaos as well. It's great to yeah. just uh, have one of these units. It's a skirmisher unit because they, they can also fight pretty yeah. easily. They can definitely beat up any enemy skirmisher unit. Yeah, like if you put them next to any sort of humans uh, or human equivalents or, of course, you know, goblins, skeletons, zombies, as long as they're not hampered by their, frankly, miserable and disappointing leadership, they can fight quite well. Yeah. But this is also sort of why I said that the Beastmen are not an easy army, even in 6th edition, because you will need to make sure that you have someone taking care of them, either by some sort of leadership boost or a banner uh, or a mage. Yeah. Still, your gores, the meat and potato. You've seen them, you've loved them. War gore, best gore, all shapes and forms. War gore for you, for me, gore. I, I, I need to stop. The punning is going to come soon. I can feel it. I can feel my bones. Anyway, uh, those are gores. Now, these are not, of course, your only choices. 
the the gore of course can drive a chariot as nicholas said uh, the actual mainstay of a lot of armies back in the days and even now is to have chariots as your core choices because just on paper they're not bad in any way a chariot comes in at 85 points and while every core choice only allows you to have like a chariot like a chariot is one core choice so you could theoretically have two chariots and then just bring in heavy models like minotaurs and if your army is actually led by a Doombull, you can have uh, Minotaurs as a core choice. Otherwise, you have, of course, your Warhounds. You know them. They're ambushing Hounds of Chaos, minimum size of five. I, I'm going to talk a bit later about it. We discussed it before me and Nicholas, so I feel like I'm rehashing it. But my ideal Beastman army would be to have like a lot of heavy hitters. Uh, so Minotaurs, uh, maybe a Shared or two, Chaos Trolls, and just being led by a Minotaur. Yeah. A Mage Minotaur of Slanish or Sinch. I think that just the raw lust and the temptation that they symbolize in ancient Hellenistic mythology makes that the Minotaurs are just exceedingly well suited to being slanish. <laughs> the raw lust they evoke. Do you deny it, Nicholas? Do they not fill you with wonder and merriment? I mean, when I think of a Minotaur, I think of corn, straight up. Oh, yeah. Cool point. I mean, the early Minotaur casts, one could say a bit ungenerously that the, the initial blood letter, no, what is it? a blood first model, was just basically a huge Minotaur model. Yeah, pretty much. But with wings. Uh, the Minotaurs, of course, are a bit interesting because the Minotaurs aren't innately part of any beast. Uh, they guard the sacred places, the herdstones, places of potent magic. They guard it and they accrue treasure. On occasion, they are swayed to join a beast herd, either by the force of presence of a beast lord or merely by the fact that they wish to gain the further glory for the herdstone. And thusly, the silent guardians march towards... Not silent for a long time, because, you see, they still have the blood greed rule, which is very, very clearly that they are cannibalistic in nature. They do consider them different from humans, but after winning combat, they have to roll a leadership test to see if they don't just stand around eating the dead, in which case they cast, cause panic to everyone around them. Good rule, except for your own army, of course. Something we haven't really touched on is the sacred nature of the shaman, which also ties into the Celts, because if you look on Celtic mythology, both from Cuculain and other parts, the parts of the druidic nature, which has survived quite well, thanks to Garazignat and other clearly highlighting the naturistic need of a druid to lead, not only as a priest, but also as, you know, support backer. A druid is chosen by chaos itself. It's an innate thing that they learn. They don't like learn magic. They know it on a genetic level. The best comparison I could come up with last time, I'm going to borrow it again, is basically the brain boys from Orcs. They're yeah. born with a greatness and they have magic within it. And it's like the, the, the graciers of the Skaven. Yeah, exactly. And they're sort of a revered caste. To kill a shaman is sort of the one taboo you don't break. Because they are the path seers, they are the leaders. They get the visions from chaos and they gain, they guide it. They can anoint a beast lord and a conclave of shamans, bray shamans or greater bray shamans, has many a time swayed the tides of battle. And on paper, basically, he's your, he's your wizard choice. He can take magic items as well. Yeah, so there's a hero level and a lore level of that guy, right? Yeah, uh, like with most things. They have a cool staff as well, the brave staff. They can uh, yeah. choose different styles to fight with. And the great thing with the Bray Staff is that the rule for the Bray Staff is not covered in any other place than, I'm going to sit here, yeah, on uh, the same page, 19, where they show how to actually place the units. You can even use it in one of two ways. The, the one way is two plus strength and strikes last, or you can use defensively, in which case it adds plus two to your armor save, but does not give any additional benefits. Seeing as how you usually have only light arm, that's actually pretty neat. That brings you all the way up to like a four plus, and that's pretty respectable. Yeah. yeah really Add cool. on to that uh, magic armor, talismans, or magic weapons, and you've got yourself a pretty good army. Well, a pretty good, you know, character. 
Now, having covered the, to some, seemingly mundane beast units of the core choices, let us move on to the hallowed specifics of the special units. And it's with some sadness I look at it, because if you look at special units, half of them will disappear in this edition. You have your Chaos Trolls, classic, cause fear, regenerate, stupidity, troll vomit, strength 5, toughness 4, free wounds. I mean, I really like them. Have you ever been on the wrong end of a Chaos Troll short, Nicholas? I have not faced any Chaos Trolls, I think. I faced Ogres, Minotaurs, but no Trolls. I mean, I guess that, in a way, they're just they're a bit more expensive than the Chaos Ogres, and... They have regeneration, but seeing as how common flame magic is in 6th edition, because basic, like, damage spell, you can negate it. And that's pretty much all they have going from different chains. I guess the the people are afraid of the stupidity rules, huh? Yeah, and I get that. They have a leadership for It's among the lowest leadership you can actually get even in Beastman. And yeah. the Chaos Ogres can be upgraded and have a banner. Uh, the Chaos Ogres, you know them, you love them. It's a basic Dark War choice. Uh, the differentiation being that they cause fear. And they're 35 points apiece instead of 30. Still, you know, a good choice all around. Also in there are, of course, the humble Centigore. A Centigore is a cursed beastman who is aware, aware of the anguishes of existence, but is unable to, to remedy it. They're all crazy drunkards, so man. If you take, like, the worst parts of, uh, of Hercules' teacher, Chiron, who would at times become so angry at the state of his being that he would drink himself into a stupor and just do the most debased acts ever, you have the Centigors. They even have a rule showing this, which is called Drunken. And, of course, you roll uh, D3, and you can get from horribly bad rule to two pretty decent rules. As a special choice, they fill a pretty clear niche. They are your fast, light cavalry. Yeah. They, move, they move through woods, which is really good because most people have terrain. Uh, they have trample. The one thing they don't get is like a boost to uh, their armor save for being mounted. But they do get, get additional attacks and they have light armor and spear base. They can yeah. also take some shooting, which is pretty much your only shooting except for Chaos 1 and Magic. And that's, of course, throwing axes, but hey. Yeah, classic light cav. The thing uh, that I think most people think is a thing that hounds would be light cab but they are not so no. uh, these guys are nice to have on the flanks it's kind of weird because you know in <laughs> i keep coming back to it, but in the vampire can army the dogs are fast cab yeah i think uh i don't know they are are they a core choice or a special choice core. Hmm. i don't know you probably wouldn't take that many though i think if they were core in chaos they would just be hounds all over the place yeah i think that in eighth edition i might be wrong because i don't play a lot of chaos in it i think they're actually core choice in there but of course since they're so cheap i don't think a lot of people take them because you need to fill up a percent for some reason yeah well less said the better about those cursed editions from which no more shall spill between our lips i beg thee then we're traveling to turn your eyes to the minotaur some would say the superior cousin of the chaos troll Weapon skill 4, ballistic skill. I say ballistic skill with a sort of disdain because between my Beastman army and my Vampire Count army, I don't even understand. I played a game last week of 2,000 points of Vampire Counts and I was like, oh, okay, the the shooting phase. Just wake me up when you're done. And then I went and made a pot of coffee. (laughs) Toughness 4, free wounds. Initiative 4, free attacks or 4 attacks. And leadership 8 all around. They're very flexible for being a Beastman. You can sort of hear me perk up here. You can can also take marks. Yeah, and light armor and like a sergeant and of course like you said it's entirely feasible to give them the mark of core mark of nurgle cinch mark of slanish and they also cause fear like i've ordered a bunch <laughs> i've been going off so long i finally got my mirrors miniatures minotaurs so i need to clean them up and paint them up awesome they are yes. amazing models and then i can have an army 
without any encores, which is, of course, unequivocally the dream. Oh, yeah, but so that's the thing. Of... Like, if you take a Doom Bull, you can take Minotaur's score. Is that the thing? Yeah, and just nice. imagine having a Doom Bull. And I wish you could make him a wizard somehow, Nicholas. <laughs> if, if, if only. Uh, if only. Oh, what's this? Works, you see? Anyway, moving on. Uh, rare units. Again, the shiverous lament of sadness and loss wish <laughs> washes over me. We'll lose half of this, but hey. Byzantium lost a bunch of stuff. You never hear them whine. So you have the Dragon Ogres. Most people know what a Dragon Ogre is, but in case you don't, the Dragon Ogre is one of the most ancient races of the Warhammer world. Yeah, so it's not a guy that fell in love with a dragon. <laughs> it's a Dragon Ogre. They are you, their own. You thing. get to hear like a lot of jokes about that in England. <laughs> I guess his mom was like really into dragon. Just like the Donkey and Shrek. <laughs> Holy shit, it is like the Donkey and Shrek. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Nicholas. <laughs> Great, you ruined the Dragon Ogres for me. You're happy. <laughs> Look at the big man. Uh, yeah, so Dragon Ogres are actually one of the most esteemed and ancient races of the world. I wish we had Chris and Jim here, thinking about buddies, because they could probably tell me where in the timeline the Dragon Ogres fit in. Because I know they're super ancient and old, but I don't know like really when they ruled the world. Was it the age well, of well, it must have been uh, before the old ones came. Like, because dragons were there before the old ones came, so they were probably there as well. Yeah, I mean, they must have been. Still, um, and they're a really cool unit. They're like a mix between a monster and heavy cavalry. Yeah, and they have like one of the most niche rules ever. Or is that just? Yeah, no, it's dragon ogre. The dragon ogre have something called storm rage, which means that if you shoot a lightning spell at them for some reason, they actually get an invulnerable save or save from it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's hilarious. It's hilarious and it's really fluffy. And it just shows the love that you get in 6th edition. Just the interloping marriage between fluff and crunch. Do you think anyone has ever done it? I don't know. Like, maybe as a joke? Because the thing is, if you look at Skaven, if you hit them with a Warp Lightning Cannon, or like, uh, what's what's the default spell called? Just Warp Lightning? Yeah. Yeah, then they get it. So I think it's a mistake you can't do. Yeah, and like Uranium Thunderbolt as well. It's great because it's like an automatic shield against those things. Because like even if you only get a small buff, no one would like to do it. Like, okay, you, you can damage them, but you will also buff them slightly. Yeah, and they have movement 7. So like movement 7, strength 5, toughness 4, they are sort of knight equivalent. You do want to shift them. And if you can't shift them with artillery if you're Skaven, I mean, unless you have a play claw catapult, but who has that? <laughs> Probably he has everything then uh, you have one less tactical option on how to handle them. They will move fast and they hit like a truck. So if yeah. you just remove that, it's a beautiful way to just play mind games. Now, if you just want to go all the fucking way and be like, huh, Nicholas, I wish I could spend 300 points on a single item. Then look no further. Take the Dragon Ogre Shoggoth, who is one rare choice and one special choice. And, and he an amazing model to boot. Yes. And I think we talked about it before. Isn't that the model that become a general, like in, in uh, Warriors of Chaos in 8th edition? Yeah, isn't it a named character? Yeah, I think so. It's like yeah. one of the best sculpts in 6th edition. Just coiled up, rearing, raging against the heavens. Massive axe. Yeah. Rising up to reclaim the glories once lost to his dying race is great. <laughs> you could just go the whole way and you could promote him to a shock of champion. And now he's a lord choice, a rare unit, <laughs> instead of like a rare and a special choice. And like, <laughs> it's so great. Like 295 points and just shock of champion. Oh man. He's a normal shock of, but he has a mark of chaos for free. And it doesn't cost you any points. And he has causes terror. 
scale skill four plus immune psychology large targets storm rage and unit strength of six so like if you charge him into the size of a unit you could probably shift that unit by himself yeah it's awesome. so uh nicholas gun to your head you have to choose chaos giant or dragonoid shaga shaga yeah right just didn't even have to think shaga all the way yeah right i mean sure would you ever feel a giant i mean you're a kids player but yeah it would be fun i mean giants are hilarious and they're very warhammery so i would definitely feel one but uh if i was playing beastman and i had a choice if i had like both of those models or i get, just got to pick which one of them i want shaga every time no question about it so uh, the thing is, you could actually just, if your beastman, pay an additional 20 points. And I'd check what it does, but you can mute the monstrosity special roll. That gives him 5 plus scale skin save. And after the rolling to determine the giant's special attack for combat, roll another d6. If the score is equal to the special attack roll, the giant leaps recklessly onto the enemy. The giant's tree is falling down in all respects, with the exception that the player controlling him may choose where he falls down. <laughs> it's like the ultimate suicide mission. It's funny. And then, of course, you have the spawn of chaos. 2d6 movement, d6 plus 1 attacks. It's hilarious. Just just do it. You get two spawns for a single rare choice choice. Amazing. Yep. They're pretty and, good, actually. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what they're like in later editions, but like the, the, the random movement usually gets you about where you need to. Uh, it sounds very risky, but like on average, you'll move 6 to 7 inches, and you might move further than that. Giving him Marco Sinch is great. Just being able to flame if you don't make the charge. If you make the charge, that's great. You're a monster in close combat. And it's also just great to have them uh, as a threat. Uh, just like a distraction Carnifex thing. The enemy has to deal with them. What the fuck's a Carnifex? A, a Tyranid Carnifex? Jesus Christ. <laughs> just the stupidity of the question had you stumped there for a while. I do declare. Uh, yeah, so, uh, no, I, I, I think they definitely have, they get sort of a bad reputation in fantasy, as well as, you know, 40k, because of the random movement and the fact that you rob yourself of choice by taking them. But they definitely have their place. I mean, like you said, all combinations and different variables are viable, but the Sinch one stands out. Uh, basically, Sinch one makes you shooty, the Slanish one makes you extra movie, and the the corn one makes you shoot, makes you foity, right? Proper foity and angry. And Nurgle, of course, makes you tougher. Yes, but nobody takes that. Now, turning the pages, I'm struck upon the bounty of the marks of the Dark Gods. The creatures of Chaos are not merely beasts of savage mind and brute strength. Though even if they were, that would be threat enough for a fledgling empire. What makes them yet more dangerous is their place in the fold of the Dark Powers. Some beastmen are granted by the god they take as their own patron, while others simply revel in the anarchy of chaos in its purest forms. Whichever is the case, the favor given to them unto their gods, the beasts of chaos become ten times as foul and ten times as dangerous. Now, characters, task or chariots, and up to one unit best score assumed to have the mark of chaos divided, which costs zero points. They can play the, this uh, Mark of Chaos with a specific Chaos God additional cost shown next to it. Sorcerer with a Mark of Specific God also gain access to God's spell lore, which they must use. Any character you may be given only a single Mark. And this is where we go from like the potential of insanity to just the tremendous ability to do whatever you want. Because you could take a Doom Bull and pay 80 points and have a level 2 Sorcerer and cast spells. And going with that, you can have a Regiment of Siege and they create extra power dice. And you can have the Minotaurs of Siege, which generate extra power dice. As someone who played a game last week with seven power dice per turn, I can tell you it's pretty awesome in 6th edition. Yeah, I played a uh, uh, Minotaur Siege list at a tournament once, my dwarves. And how uh, was that? <laughs> it was uh, one of my greatest games ever. I crushed him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're dwarf, don't you just not give a fuck about magic? 
Yeah, I think I had uh, I think I had two runesmiths as well, just negating his every move. Beautiful. Are you moving? Are you moving to hog now, or <laughs> for that war crime? Uh, but it's a really really cool list. Uh, having minotaurs as core, it's really just like minotaurs as cores, and then you just like use the, them as power banks as well, uh, generating extra dice. Yeah. Stop scraping your bones together, Krell. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's I was trying to no this. no ligament between your your joints <laughs> anymore. That's the sound of my knees. Uh, you can take the mark of corn. Uh, basically, you can give frenzy to your units. I don't. You know what? What like the frenzy is? Nicholas, can you help me out here? Yeah, it's uh, you get another attack uh, for each model, but you oh, also really? have to charge uh, the closest unit, or if you're in range of something, to charge. If you have not already declared a charge, then you have to charge that unit. Well, so you become you become very killy, but uh, you can also easily be distracted. Yeah. So you can lead like chaos knights with the mark of corn astray with some light cavalry and just flee away and then charge them in the flank. Uh, the thing is, you also get apparently an extra spell dice, uh, which yes. ties quite well with this hatred of the sorcerers. Yeah, so each unit with the Mark of Horn, you get another Dispel Ice. Yeah, great. there's also the fact that you could go Mark of Nurgle. I'm just going to speed through Mark of Nurgle and Slanish. Uh, you get an additional wound, and you potentially cause fear. Your Minotaurs can get a 5 plus save, which, you know, it's not to be sneezed at, because 5 plus scale skin, light armor, and a shield. Pretty okay. Yeah. I think that they get that because they already cause fear, so you can't yeah. get the regimental bonus. And the Slanish, you get immune, immune to psychology. Yeah. I mean, you've been at a couple of orgies, you've been at orgies, you've seen it. You've seen it all, man. I've seen some shit, man. Uh, yeah. this, this is great for Beastmen, by the way, because they have pretty low leadership. So, yeah, I mean, uh, taking shooting casualties. Particularly, matter. I mean, does that negate stupidity? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Also, also, I just want to make another joke. Uh, when your buddy gets like shot by a cannonball, yeah. just go, I've already seen this, I don't care. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> fuck you. That's pretty funny, though. Uh, but yeah, maybe that, I don't know, immune to psychology, I don't think that negates your stupidity. I don't think so either, to be honest, but you know, worth considering, I guess. Someone so fucked his stupid brain out. <laughs> I say, Ezekiel, art thou not dumb? I go to orgy. I see man put thing in thing not meant to be. I know no fear. <laughs> I've seen some shit, man. Uh, then we move on, of course, to Trophies of the Beast. Uh, the thing is, there's a lot of them, so I'm just going to take like two or three of my favorites. One of the best things is that uh, you can give one of your demonic units the Beasts of Gift, which makes him an unliving idol. That means that the demon cows is a beast general. So you can just, theoretically, for 10 points, you can have a demon as your warlord choice. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I think that's pretty cool to have a demon as your general, particularly in 6th edition. It can get a bit gamey, depending on, like, the rewards and items you give the demon general. But still, it definitely ties into the theme. Slanish yeah. prince with excess is surrounded by idolating beastmen, or, like, a tremendous warrior of corn who doesn't care as long as the blood flows. Or, I mean, Nurgle, all are united in sickness. Yeah, just, there's a similar item for uh, Wars of Chaos yeah. heroes as well. But they, I think they drink from a chalice at the beginning of the game. Become demon, uh, and if you roll a one, you lose the wound. <laughs> this is funny. Too uh, you can cocaine. Also... <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug. You see, Nicholas, before you were born, there's a comedian known as Dave Chappelle, <laughs> and he was hilarious. Ah, good times. No, kidding aside, uh, things of note is that for 10 points, uh, you can uh, give 
all your beasts, it even says beasts of chaos characters only, maybe in Bray Shamans. You can have heavy armor, uh, chaos armor, which of course is four plus save and you can cast spells. Pretty useful on your Bray Shamans. Yeah, then yeah you especially have with that like, Bray stuff. Yeah, particularly with that. Like, hey, enjoy your two plus save, motherfuckers. Uh, you can have the troll hide armor, heavy armor, and regenerate roll. Then you have one of my favorite, the arcane item, and it's for Marker only. If you drink the chalice, he suffers an immediate strength four hit that ignores armor and ward save, but you can have regeneration. But for the rest of that magic phase, any spell that the shaman casts will be cast with a real irresistible force. That is dope. That's really fucking dope. Particularly if you have a way of having regeneration, like the pelt of the pelt of uh, the troll hide, because it's uh, just a six plus regeneration save, but still it's pretty okay. You can also have like items that make it particularly hard against arrows, which you're gonna need. <laughs> Basically, you have stuff in here for your marks. You have stuff in here for your beasts, and you have ways to build the army. I'm not going to go through Gorfor or Gazrak, uh, because I've never played with them or Morgul, and they are motherfuckers in the 6th edition. Uh, sorry for swearing, kids. If you listen to this and you disapprove of swearing, please send a mail in, uh, addressed particularly to Nicholas and Jimmy, and explain why our crude language offends you. Because if they hit like a motherfucker, sorry about that. I, I go blue, kids. So, yeah, Tell me, one of them is the, the guy in the chariot, and one of them is the mutating guy, right? Yeah, uh, one of them is basically your dueling land guy, 292 points. I mean, 292 points, why? For the love of God. <laughs> uh, with him... Well, at least they, they counted the points together. Like, 5th edition, when they used to say, like, here's this guy, <laughs> 206 points. Here's his sword, 12 points. Six here's points. his shield. <laughs> yeah. Here's his underwear. <laughs> It's so fun in like fourth uh, edition or fifth edition undead because it always winds up an even pointed anyway. Like two ninety eight plus eighteen plus forty. What do you know? Three hundred fifty points. <laughs> uh, Gorfor has the scourge, which is great. It's a magical weapon, and you can make one attack with it, addition to your four attacks. And if you successfully roll to wound, you immediately roll to wound again, and you just keep doing it. And Excellent. extra wounds can only hit like one model, but still, I mean. You can just keep rolling wounds in a duel and still get the overkill bonus to combat resolution. It's just... happening. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's like with the old Blood Angels rule, 5th edition 40k, where the fists, oh, yeah. the fists on the Dreadnoughts just kept doing extra attacks and there's no limit around them. Just acting in blender mode. <laughs> the thing with Kazrak is that all the units with ambush can use your ability instead of just half your unit. And oh, also... yeah. Did we even uh, mention ambush, how it works? You... No. Put half of your units in reserve, they can have ambush, uh, if your general has ambush. Yeah, and then you, you blow the horn and hope that your units come in, hope that they come in on the right place. Uh, yeah, and I mean, hope and a prayer is what you'll need, uh, because it can go bad really quickly. It's on for a second turn as well, which is supposed to negate the fact you have to walk through arrows. During any chaos after charges have been declared, generally sound the Brayhorn and launch the ambush. For each unit waiting in ambush, mark a point on the table edge you wish them to come from. Then make a leadership test for each unit. If they pass it, every Marlin unit comes in. If it's failed, they turn up a random point at the table edge. Roll a scout dice in the middle of the arrow. I mean, it's a lot more forgiving than later editions, because in later editions you either come in or you don't. With this, at least you arrive. I mean, it could be way worse. Yeah. Uh, and also, with Kazrak, if you want someone to come in within 12 inches where he came in, they can use his leadership. And we're talking about leadership 8 instead of, like, leadership 6. That's very good. Yeah, also, 
he has hilarious armor, which was one of those where you have to like start reading like, yeah, 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 two more save, I get it. And it's like, furthermore, uh, Kazrak and any unit he accompanies has magic resistance one. If he or a unit he is with is targeted with a spell that is successfully cast, Kazrak gains plus one strength for the remainder of the battle. This applies even if spell is dispelled. Kazrak can gain any number of bonus point strength up to the maximum of ten. <laughs> Casual strength 10 guy. Yeah, it's just again about magic denial because you don't want to throw spells at his units, but you do want to get rid of them. Yeah, that's very good. Then you have Gorthor the Beast Lord, which I remember like we, we tended to go on a bit about him. Uh, Gorthor has a special chariot uh, with a weapon skill 4 driver called Bagarar with 2 attacks, and Gorthor has 4 attacks. He has the Mark of Chaos and is a 4 plus save instead of 5 plus save. Uh, sorry. Gorthor's chariot may re roll on fleeing and pursue distance rolls. He's beloved by the gods. And where is it there? Gorfer's present on battlefields as one dies to the spell pool. In addition, at the start of each magic phase, roll a d6 on death. Gorfer may use the spell roll to a chaos magic spell as a bound spell with a power level equal to casting value of the spell. If Gorfer cannot use the spell for any reason, the roll is wasted. Also, favor of chaos. <laughs> it's basically, you get one more rare unit than you're allowed, uh, which, as far as I know, is like one of the few characters that allow you to directly change the force orb for an entire army. Do you know of any? Um, not like, uh, except for allowing you to take more of some special unit. Like uh, the Tsarina allows you to take more than one Griffin Legion. I know there are some characters to do that, but not altering the force orb itself. Yeah, then he has like a really wonky spear, <laughs> which if any of his two hit rolls are double scripts or quadruples, each of these attacks will wound automatically. So basically, if you roll three ones, you hit with all three of them. If you roll two ones, because he has weapon skill seven, you will hit automatically. It's a super rad mechanic, which you won't see too often, but still, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Also, any strike against Gorfor, like a cannonball, uh, anything with a greater than strength five counts only as a strength one, five and can only inflict one wound per hit. So it's a chariot, and it's great because you can't just cannonball him out of existence. You have to get rid of that those four wounds one by one. And he also has like, yeah, and his ward save equal to the strength of attack that hit him. So strength three will be three <laughs> plus ward save. So we oh always get a five plus ward save. I mean, <coughs> it's it's just amazing, Nicholas. It's just it's amazing. It, it feels like you would have to have your army book open with that page for in the entire battle. Oh, there's no way you, you remember all these rules. You think that's bad? <laughs> We have Morgor Master of Skulls, 378 point, movement 2d6. An army that contains Morgor has no general. Chaos marks for units additional characters may be chosen freely, as it was chosen by units with marks of chaos. So you can have like Minotaurs with the marks of Singe, and also Ogres with the marks of Corn. Well, just for free? Yeah. Alright. But you can't have any Immortal or Demon units. Alright. <laughs> oh yeah, I keep forgetting like how incredibly funny it is. The enemy must take fear test to, to move around or into forest or wood. If test is failed, they stop at the edge of the forest. If the unit is already within the forest and fails his fear test, it takes d6 strength hit, free hits. He also ha he's also like a semi-spawn, so he'll always engage units exactly the same as spirits uh, as the spawn of chaos. In the beastman shooting phase, any unit, including friends, within 8 units of Morgor, take a leadership test. If failed, the unit suffers d6 strength 4 hits with no armor save. If one of them are caused, then a spawn of chaos is created under control of the beastman player. You just have to have like the actual model. So, uh, do you hate your Angors? Just make spawns out of them. Yeah, just endlessly generate models on the table. It, I don't know. I don't know to say. Like uh, name characters rarely come up in games of six. I uh, play with the... it, Serena because oh, basically no, I have no other lords. But yeah, and this is the reason. Fucking hell. Morgor generates two additional dispel dice, Nicholas. 
<laughs> like he also causes terror and anyone striking in close combat gets a minus one to hit and if a wizard rolls a double when rolling on a miscast then unfortunately wizard is instantly turning to chaos spawn and control a beastman player if the wizard was sitting in that enemy unit follow the same rules straight so uh yeah <laughs> he's a motherfucker like yeah fuck yeah yeah so this this is all, all fun but yeah. irrelevant all of these guys are irrelevant to me like <laughs> how often would you even see this guy like if you play with your friend who loves one of these characters fine but they're all these like oh super random rules oh this thing's so crazy do you know how crazy this thing is super crazy okay good for you you're so fucking disdainful this is like when somebody tries to talk to anime to you at a game <laughs> yeah bro what the fuck ever get the hell out of here with your made up bullshit no i agree in sixth edition you rarely see named characters uh, but i would argue that for the beastman army the named characters are all good like you can't go wrong with any one of these yeah yeah some characters are definitely like Yes, this name character or better write write oh, sorry, write some rules for him and then it's like hero with a magic weapon that does fuck all. <laughs> it's a lot like uh yeah, I need you to put Krell back in Warhammer Fancy and they're like, uh okay, let's see. We made Krell's weapon a generic white lord item, so uh <laughs> I guess we'll give him an even crazier cursed axe and uh shit. Let's look at the model. Yeah, okay, so he has a horned helmet. Yeah, okay, will I give him a better save? Uh, yeah. And then they just yeah. put all the fucking rules into Heinrich Kemmler. It's like, you know, when somebody does their first Dungeons & Dragons character. Uh, that yeah. is exactly and- it. And these guys, on the other hand, are like so characterful that it's almost t- tiresome to even read the rules. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my guy is like uh, an orphan from a village that burned down, which killed his parents. But also, also he was like first in his class uh, as a guard captain, and um, the king took a liking to him. But also, also, also like a wandering wizard passing on by had a strange prophecy that only suited him. And and also, uh, he was born uh, before his parents were killed. I say, and went to the martial academy and also did magic. Uh, he got like a magic legendary sword. But also, like he's super, and he can totally talk to Sandra in my class. And he doesn't get afraid of anything like that. <laughs> That's what the Beastman characters are like. And I love it. Excellent. But you know exactly what I mean, right? When somebody like tries to do the first Dungeons and Dragons character and he has to go full on wish fulfillment. Yes, that is what these guys are. Well, that, that's like what, what every, uh, every shaman wants to be. He wants to be that chaos guy. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, uh, the fun fact about Gortur Skulltaker is that he's just as crazy in 7th edition. I mean, arguably he's even crazier because I think he turns cannonballs like he ignores shooting within a certain distance. It's just... Yeah, I, I think also in 7th edition uh, it was kind of the same thing as in 6th uh, that you didn't really have named characters or you didn't really use them that much. Uh, I think that changed in 8th because they put all the the named characters' stats like in front of the armaments as well. Like they were in the lore section and hero section. Because in 6 and 7, they were in the back of the book as like extra stuff with the, <laughs> the alternative armaments. Hey, Manfred, Sakura is done living. Get the fuck back in the shame section. Aww. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Zacharias. You're like 600 on points. You've got unlimited dispel scrolls. You got a 2 plus war save. Your model is a, a fucking challenge and a gayas to complete. You get the hell back in the like in the back section. I don't know, Kislev, you have like two more. Like you have Boris and Katarina. Yes, but oh, like all, sorry, all of Kislev I mean... is like a back with a book thing. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You have Elsa from Frozen and you have generic Russian stereotype number two. You leave Oleg alone. Oh, you mean Vodka Drunkinsky? 
both Ivan and Ivan will be very offended by this. <laughs> that was literally the same. Vodka Drunkinski was actually the original name for one boxers in Punch Out. The more you know, kids. The more, the more you, know. you know. If you don't know what a Punch Out is, man, Nicholas will be glad to answer all your questions about Nintendo 8 bit. But like the long and the short of it, there you have Beastman. Uh, at the end of the day, would I recommend playing Beastman? Yes, hell yeah. Uh, the models are really fun to do. Surprisingly, I, I always hated painting skin and fur. And I got over a bit, like, if you go way back to our, like, initial episodes, we're talking about who we are and what we're doing. And how me and Nicholas snuck off to, like, go to the retro shop at Lincoln. Uh, I got over my hesitancy to do fur pretty early on with all the direwolves I painted. And Beastman actually helped me get over my hesitancy of painting skin. Because just experimenting with different skin tones and shades goes a long way to fixing that. And also it's surprisingly fun because you can like characterize them. And 6th edition, while not on the hero hammer of earlier editions, still gives you a lot of leeway to create whatever sort of character and army you want. And with the Beastman book, you have a plethora of different choices. You can hand paint Sinchian war tattoos, which I've seen. You can do like a full on Carnival of Chaos with the Slanish. And there's a lot of different freeform ways to apply the book. And I'd really recommend looking through for this guy. It's great inspiration. I would really recommend mixing in some Beastmen in your Chaos Army if you're just doing a Demons of Chaos or Wars of Chaos, whatever, sixth edition. Just throw in some Beastmen. Just oh my God. You're very like the thematic to have a. Vanara. It's just uh, very thematic to have some Beastmen in your army because it's just supposed to be chaos all over the place. Just make yeah, some chaos united. And they're great skirmishers as well. Nice to have some some guys just running around the flanks when you have heavy hitter Wars of Chaos and Knights of Chaos going down the middle. Yeah, it's kind of easy too to do like Hammer and Anvil, uh, like you say, with Wars of Chaos and the Beastmen. Yeah. In some respects, if you play the Beastman in the way you want, like fast and hard, you can just have like a glass spear. Chariots and the Centigors just aimed at the heart of the enemy because they're way faster than you'd expect. And the Centigor ability to move through woods might seem like disgustingly simplistic at times, but it can really work out sometimes because usually you have to go around things. And as we've said, in 6th edition, you can win in the movement phase just by positioning. Now imagine that if you position what may be perceived wrongly as a feint and then you just run through the fucking forest. Yeah. Very true. All right, go forth. Destroy civilization. Go beast and be a man no more. Or as I call them, best men, which is a pun in Swedish. Really, Nicholas? Nothing? Nothing at all. That, that was that was your worst dad joke. That's even... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it can get worse, though. Let's, uh, let's not risk it. <laughs> so that is our second board. take of uh, the beast man special. Yes. And I really hope we can publish this one. Chris, don't ruin this one. Don't tell us you couldn't hear it. <laughs> Right. Goodbye, everyone. And a solemn goodbye for me. See you next time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And a shout out um, to the guys at the OSS yard in Stockholm. Here you go. No more high elf torment for you. Finally, here it is. We re-recorded it. Go forth and beast. They told me they were kind of angry about how they were promised beastmen and then they got a high elf special. Okay. I, bl- I blame you, Nicholas. Elf lover. But this is then of the longest outro ever recorded by Beast Man. <laughs> <laughs> see it's happening to you too we're just gonna have to f- f- fade this out and, and play it out to some celtic yeah like a horns. solid flute okay but this is that i'm clicking the button goodbye good night